We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Okay. Well, it's actually Matthew 20 tonight. 2-0, Matthew 20. Join me there if you would, please. Okay, thank you, Jansen. I got the thumbs up back there. The red light is blinking on the air. Here we are. Maybe we should get one of those. I don't know how we'd hook it up, but uh, some clever engineer around here ought to be able to figure it out. Uh, Matthew chapter 20 this evening is where we'll be, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. We... uh, We did finish, as far as I was concerned, for the present anyway, Matthew 19, uh, speaking about the rich young ruler and um, how hard it is for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, so hard it's impossible. The chapter closed with a couple of interesting things. One, Peter says that, you know, Lord, we've left everything. What's going to be there for us in the end? And the Lord gives him a promise, basically. And then uh, there's this statement at the end of chapter and verse 30, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And we kind of pick up there wondering what is the meaning of that phrase, the last first and the first will be last. In the context, the Lord made a promise that the disciples would rule over the 12 tribes of Israel. They also will receive much more than they had given up to follow Christ. So anybody who gives up houses or lands or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers will receive much more in the future, and uh, I think that's certainly in the kingdom, and then for sure in heaven they will. There'll be no, no, how can I say, nothing left behind here that will not be richly rewarded or not important in your sight after you realize uh, how things really are. And so the last and first swap, if you will, maybe the followers of Christ are seen as the lowest of the low, I alluded to that in my prayer tonight in 1 Corinthians 4.13. Paul says that, you know, the world basically looks at us like we're trash. He calls it in the King James, I think, the off-scouring of the world. What is the off-scouring? It is that which is what you're trying to remove from your countertop, the oil, grease, crumbs, and all of that, and you you, you scour it, pad it off, and put it into the trash can. That's how the world looks at Christians. Uh, another translation, I think, might use the word scum or something like that. That's how people look at believers. You, it's, it's out there today. Christians are not favored in many places. and some places, they're tolerated. and a few places, we're recognized for what uh, we are. But in any case, uh, they're seen as the lowest of the low, the last, but they will be first in God's kingdom. And that is true in in general from other portions of Scripture, we know that. But the parable in Matthew 20 takes a different direction. And I take it that verse 30 of chapter 19 is tied in with chapter 20, 
And one of the reasons why is because if you go to chapter 20, verse 16, look at that. So the last will be first, and the first will be last. And so that phrase occurs, or that sentence occurs, both at the beginning and the end of this uh, passage of Scripture. So in terms of those who have labored, here's, here's the difference. Now, in terms of those who have labored long in the Lord's work, the first, and those who have labored only a short time in the Lord's work, the last. No matter how long labor is done, the parable shows that the wages are the same. The wages are the same. So it refers to those who are saved later in life and those who are saved earlier in life and how their outcomes look similar. It does not concern the world's estimation of a believer as lowly or, or dumb or anything like that, and then a, and a later increase in the person's standing. It's not about that going from low to high. It's about going from either saved young, say, or and serving the Lord for a whole lifetime, or saved late in life and not having much time to serve him and the outcome, how similar it looks. Look, if this fellow that we prayed for tonight was saved tonight, he would have just as much eternal life as this brother who's been in the Lord for decades, as me who's been in the Lord for decades. And we'll see when we look at this how that works out and how we might think wrongly about it. Now, in many parables, this one is one of them, we see the phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. But precisely how is it like? It's not just like, you know, somebody, if you're familiar with the parable, it's not just like somebody going out to hire workers. There's more to it. The kingdom of heaven is like someone going out and hiring laborers multiple times during the day and paying them at the end of the day in a very generous fashion, but all the same wage. And the last first and the first being last and the many that are called and the few that are chosen. Let me read the passage and we'll see that. Um, verse 1 of chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. So he went to the marketplace, basically, to look up day laborers. He needs help. Now, when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace and said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever's right, I will give you. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? So they said to him, because no one hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard and whatever is right, you will receive. So when evening came, had come, the owner of the vineyard said to his steward, call the laborers and give them their wages, beginning with the last to the first. And when those came, who uh, came who were hired about the 11th hour, they each received a denarius. But when the first came, they supposed that they would have received more, and they likewise received each a denarius. And when they had received it, they complained against the landowner, saying, These men have worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go your way. I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do with what I wish 
what I wish with my own things, or is your eye evil because I am good? So the last will be first, and the first last. For many are called, but few are chosen. So we have to explore all this to see if we can gain a deeper understanding of what's written here. We should also remind ourselves of the preceding context regarding the rich young ruler, Peter's question in which he asked of the Lord's uh, what kind of return the apostles would have as a result of following Jesus. And uh, we've already noticed 1930 and 20 verse 16, which are use the same language. So what's the parable about? Well, a landowner has a vineyard that needs harvesting or some other work like pruning or adding on to it. So he goes out at 6 a.m. to hire workers uh, from the pool of those available in the marketplace. Those workers did not have a stable job already, and they were low on the socioeconomic scale. Uh, So he set an arrangement with them that he would pay them for a, a denarius for the day's work. That was a good wage for a day's work. Roman soldiers were paid about that much per day. The denarius at the time was a silver coin with the image of Tiberius's face on the obverse of the coin, and on the reverse, the back was an image of him robed and seated on his throne. Evidently, after the owner got those men settled into their work, he went back to the marketplace at 9 a.m. and found men who were idle because no one had hired them. Now, I don't think that these men were idle because they were lazy. They were not uh, hired yet, and they looked for work, and they wanted to get work. And uh, so don't, don't um, think that they're, they're lazy. So the landowner hired them too. I think he must have needed a lot of workers and saw, oh, this job is bigger than I thought. I'm going to have to get some more guys. So he did that. What's interesting is the omission from their conversation. There was no agreed-upon wage. Interesting, isn't it, I think? He said to them, whatever is right, I will give you. And they trusted him and went to work. This man maybe had a good reputation among day laborers there. They knew that uh, he would pay, for they trusted his word. Verses 5 through 7 then explain that the scenario was repeated at noon, 3 p.m., 5 p.m., and again at, yeah, yeah, at 5 p.m., which is the 11th hour. So what was amazing to the landowner was that there were workers still in the marketplace, thus showing they wanted to work, but no one had hired them. Now, I speculated maybe somebody had a job and they finished it way early in the day and they, they you know, were done early, uh, but you know, then they were standing there most of the day just waiting to be hired again. But in any case, uh, they, 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 nobody hired them, so thus they're waiting. So he hired them as well and pledged them uh, to give them a fair wage. And evidently, they didn't care what they were paid as long as they were paid something. They just wanted to work. So I took the opportunity here to uh, commend to you the value of labor. We call this, and we talked about this, I think, on Sunday morning in the Sunday school class, we We call this uh, idea the work ethic that has in many ways been lost in our land. God gave work to Adam in the garden. It's not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. People are meant to work. I I marvel when I hear people who retire and then a few weeks later they're dead. They didn't have anything more to work for, to live for. Their life was over. Their life's work was done. That doesn't obviously always happen, hopefully not very often, but it's just an ironic kind of thing. 
It's refreshing to see these men staying in the marketplace, trying to find work all day instead of just going and kicking up their feet under a tree and, uh, and taking a vacation. The same should be our attitude, not one of sitting around and taking a government welfare check. Christians work at whatever kind of job they can, and they don't complain about it. I also commend the landowner here because the last hires that he made were basically pure charity. He didn't get much labor out of them by the end of the day. He was just helping them out. He wasn't going to get much work out of them, but uh, he wanted to help them and their families. Now, I bet if they were, as I've suggested, men eager to do some work, when he hired them and they got there at 5 o'clock and, you know, the, the whistle didn't go until 6 or 7 or whenever it was, that they worked like a house of fire to try to get as much work as they could get done in an hour or two hours. You know how it is. Sometimes you can get more done in a couple of hours than you can all day if you're just on a kind of a, how do you want to say, a conveyor belt that's just moving slowly and all of a sudden you get this inspiration or whatever and you just go, you know, you're really, really moving. Um, you know, they wanted to get done with the time that they had what they could. So when the workday was done, maybe six or seven or whenever it was, um, in the harvest season, the owner had his farm manager call the workers to pay them. Now, notice that when he does this, he's doing it in accordance with the law of Moses and the words of Jesus, which is that, we, that workers had to be paid promptly and they were worthy of their wages. You don't hold their wages. You pay them as, you know, on a regular basis as you promise them. And the day, for a day laborer, the promise is implicit. You're going to give them the wage the end of the day, so that they can uh, continue on in their work. Uh, and there are a number of passages that I cite in the notes. We don't, won't go through all of those, but uh, uh, James talks about this. You know, the, uh, the wages of the workers that you've withheld cry out to the Lord of Sabaoth, and he's going to basically get even with all of you rich people who aren't paying your laborers the, the wage that they are deserving. And I suspect that we could probably draw a little... Uh, principle uh, out of that today for companies that don't pay their wages fairly. It's interesting that the last ones hired were the first ones to be paid. Now, that's not a very significant point in the big picture, but it sets up a situation where the earlier hired workers can see what the later hired workers get. If the boss didn't want to hear the complaints, what would he have done? He would have paid the first workers first, dismissed them, and then paid the later ones after that. Um, that would have had almost a reverse effect in what the parable shows. That is, what would the workers at the end of the day think? Wow, we were really treated well when they all receive what they're about. We read that they were going to receive. So those who worked starting at 5 p.m. were paid a full day's wage, a full denarius, although the text does not say that the workers who started at 3, 12, and 9 a.m. received the same. We're led to believe that they did also. Uh, it could be the case that some who were hired at 9 a.m. worked hard all the rest of the day, even harder than those who were hired at 6, and so the denarius was not all that unexpected for those who started at 9 and worked most of the heat of the day. But those who worked only an hour or a few hours couldn't possibly have done as much work as the earlier ones. 
The difficulty arose when those who were hired at six came to receive their pay. They saw that they had been paid, what had been paid out to the others, and their expectations grew as each group was paid. Oh, we're going to get a bonus today, guys. Uh, We really uh, worked harder than all these others. Uh, But the owner gave them what he agreed to give them, and so they received the denarius also for their work. So now we have the seeds of disgruntlement that have been set in. They became complainers and complained against the owner because they said, you've made them equal to us who bore the burden and heat of the day. They worked the whole hot day. They were charging the landowner with being unfair. So he responds to their charge of inequity and unfairness and wrongdoing by saying this, you agreed with me for the wage. That's what we agreed upon, and that's what they all got. He adds further that he can do what he wants with what is his own. Let's look at that again. Um, Verse 15, is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own things? Yes, it is. That's none of their business, what he does with his other things that they didn't agree to. Uh, Incidentally, this text makes the case for private property rights from the Bible. You notice that? What is his own? He owns those things. He has certain rights over those things. It also shows here that life is not always equitable, is it? It's not always equitable. That's just the way that it is. In fact, this man was not being evil at all. He was being generous. He could have given less pay to the later men and been just as fair and square as could be, but he actually gave them a benevolent bonus for their work. They probably had families with mouths to feed and needed work, and they had tried to get work but could not. He was a gracious man to help them. But these complainers were trying to make him out to be evil. Listen, it was their jealousy that was the sin, not his generosity. But they were trying to make his generosity out to be a sin. Really? Yes, they were. Strange how people can do that. They turned their sin into an accusation against a righteous person. They made the whole situation upside down. Because of their selfishness, they can't see beyond their little box, their little situation. So the master gave the later workers more than they deserved, clearly, and at least measured by the amount of time they worked. But he gave the earliest workers exactly what they deserved and agreed upon for their wages. Now, uh, before we run out of time, I have to give you some lessons from the parable. We come again to verse 16 where it says, the last will be first and the first last, for many are called but few are chosen. We can see the obvious jealousy of the first workers and the generosity of the landowner. But if our analysis stops with those moral lessons, we haven't achieved the fullness of understanding of what Jesus intended to convey. He intended to convey a truth about the kingdom of heaven, entry into which is synonymous with salvation. Okay, are you with me? If you're a moralistic preaching church, You'll say, look at this, generosity, don't complain, don't be selfish, life isn't fair, and you'll leave it at that. That's the principles that you'll grasp out of this text. But the parable started like this, the kingdom of heaven is like, 
And so we have to try to understand what does this mean, the kingdom of heaven is like this. So first think about the characters of the parable. The landowner represents God and Christ. The workers represent people who are called by God to be saved and to serve him. The denarius represents the final reward of eternal life. That's how I take it. The workers were first brought under the care of the landowner. Then they labored for him. Then they were rewarded by him. Likewise, believers are called by God, serve him, and then are rewarded for him at the end of their lives. And they receive the blessing of eternal life as the primary reward about which they labor and to which they look forward. The first lesson that I draw out of this is about the last and the first switching, if you will, places. It's tied to to the story in that no matter how long the workers worked, they received the same reward in the end. So eternal life, which we all look forward to, is equally bestowed on all Christians alike, no matter how good they were or how long they were saved. Some of us were saved, like Dr. Sachs, uh, at age four and served 90 years, the Lord. He was blessed with the beginnings of eternal life when he was saved and throughout his earthly sojourn, and he received another installment of that life back in January of 2017 when he went to heaven. He labored the whole day long and got the reward that he understood the Lord was offering to him, just like kind of agreed upon. If you come to me, I'll give you eternal life. There are other people, however, who play at sin much of their lives, In the words of the parable, they sit around until late in the day, wasting their lives, doing nothing of significance, and then they come to Christ. Or maybe we should say, and then Christ finds them in the marketplace and brings them to him. Maybe they then only have half their life left or a quarter or 10%. The thief on the cross, 99.9% of his life or whatever was without God, and only at the very end was he saved. He received the same reward of eternal life as our former Pastor Sachs did. Now, would that mean that Pastor Sachs would complain? Uh, I know he wouldn't complain now. We shouldn't, we shouldn't even think of it. Uh, others are saved but are slow to mature and don't make a lot of progress on the road of sanctification. They're like the laborers out in the field who are like, you know, if they're picking grapes or whatever, it's like one, two... Instead of like, you know, picking and moving along quickly. But they too receive the reward of eternal life. Now, in this, I'm purposefully ignoring other bodies of revelation that talk about, in the Bible, other sections that talk about rewards for faithful service. Those rewards will be at different or various levels. This is not that, okay? This is just the eternal life reward. Um, If you've done good, you will receive for the good done. If you've done evil, you'll receive less rewards. Um, You know, you've been faithful over many, over many things or few things. I'll make you, you know, master over many things uh, and that sort of idea. So that's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about the main uh, reward of eternal life. The seeming inequity evaporates when we consider that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ, and that not even one of us deserves the grace that is bestowed upon us. We all fall so far short of God 
that the difference between me and you or you and anybody else is insignificant. You know, you worked 11 hours or two hours in light of eternity. It all divides out to about 0.00000% of, of your lifespan in terms of eternity. Uh, you know, that he gives us a denarius as a reward for a whole day's work or only one hour of work is graciously his choice. He's the king. We are his subjects. We certainly do not have any right to complain at God for what he chooses to do. He knows best. Who are we to argue about fairness? Because we would immediately be caught up short. We would realize that what is fair is that we don't receive anything, right? What's fair? I mean, if you start talking to God about what's fair, he's just going to say, you want what's fair? I'll give you what's fair. No, we understand that uh, that's no way to think. We're destined, if we, if we demand fairness, we're destined to die apart from God forever. From beginning to end, the landowner was gracious. So let's be thankful, not complainers like these fellows were. Um, and then let me comment on uh, this one other item, and then we're going to have to stop for this evening. The last being first and the first being last does not focus on a swapping of positions now, that's the case in other contexts. He who is abased will be, a, will be exalted, right? And he who is exalted will be abased. There's a swapping of positions here. Um, but here, the meaning is that the last and the first come in a tie when it comes to the heavenly reward they receive, all the same. The ones hired last during the day are just like the first, and the ones hired first during the day are just like the last. So the first are like the last, and the last, the first. You see that? So it's not really a swapping of positions. It's really more of an equality of outcome in this matter of eternal life. Yeah, <laughs> not equity. That's right. No, we, uh, we don't have that. And, of course, calls for equity today all over the place, right? But... Uh, that's not the case here. Eternal life given whether you're first or you're last. The outcomes are the same, you see. That's the whole point of the parable. So you want to understand last and first contextually based on what the parable teaches, not just on what you immediately think of. Like, oh, okay, uh, you know, usually we'll think last and first. Um, the, uh, the tortoise is going to get to the finish line first, and the hare, the rabbit, you'd think would get there first, is going to be last. No, that's not what we're talking about here. They're actually going to come out ahead in, uh, in the end, uh, together at the same time, I should say, or alike is really what I meant to say. So the, um, that's the lesson here, the first kind of the first one based on these texts. So let's pause there. I have a little bit more to go, but I won't be able to finish that tonight for your sake. And uh, we'll stop. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this parable, for the lessons we've gleaned from it thus far. And I pray that you'd help us. Perhaps this weekend we'll be able to uh, finish this up and look at it again and touch on uh, these lessons that you've left for us in the parable. Help us to be faithful however long we've been serving you, whether it's many years or few, knowing that our reward eternal life awaits for all those that are in Christ. And uh, Lord, help us not to use laziness, uh, make an excuse and be lazy 
about our service for you, but to be energetic, knowing that eternal life is worth every effort. It's, worth, it's, way, it's way more worth than any effort that we put in to the saved life that you give us because it's all of grace. Well, thank you. Thank you for your kindness. In Jesus' name, amen.